1: October is Cybersecurity Month, a time to look at protecting your digital and online assets. We talk with ScanOptics, based in Manchester, to find out how they help businesses with their digital transformation and what that means in our fast-moving digital world. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott Smith. October is Cyber Security Awareness Month and a time when we should all be reviewing how we're protecting our online data, be that personal or business. Our world demands more speed and access to data than ever before. And apart from protecting it, how do you get it from paper to online in a way that is quick but also searchable? One company in Manchester, Connecticut is at the forefront when it comes to helping businesses, municipalities and other organizations put their data to work with intelligent data management so they and Users of the data can work smarter and not harder. I sat down with Jeff Mitchell, CEO of Scan Optics, to find out how they have reimagined digital transformation. Jeff, first of all, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Scan Optics, it's like,
0: I don't know, creates all sorts of illusions in the mind. But what actually is scan optics? Interesting question. I joined the company as chief executive six and a half years ago. And one of the concepts for me was, you know, scanning sounds kind of like old and outdated. But the history of the company, we're celebrating our 55th year in business. Founded in 1968, we were founded as uh, one of the world's preeminent manufacturers of high-speed scanners. And during this 55-year run, we've held 24 patents. And we've gone out of the manufacturing, manufacturing of scanning systems but a large portion of what we do is intelligent data management so we're still capturing data using scanning systems or digital to 100% searchable but that's where the company started in terms of the manufacturing of high-speed scanners.
1: So of course the world as you say changes companies pivot a very successful pivot as well as you say 55 years you don't stay in business unless you're doing something right of course and of course we're now talking very much a digital world I mean we've been in the digital world for a while now but it's constant Moving. Now, one of the things that, that you do amongst many, many services, we're going to try and touch upon as many of those as we can, is you help organizations with
0: select so like, digital optimization. I say to, to clients oftentimes, if you look at any corporate annual report, most of them outline digital transformation in their top five or six objectives. And when we talk about digitization of information or paper-to-paper lists, a lot of people think of it that way. We're taking documents that are not potentially easily accessible in a paper format. And they're certainly not searchable. I mean, they're searchable in the sense that you'll walk down to a filing cabinet, try and find file folder and bring it out. What we do is bring that information to life. We capture that through our easy forward software platform. In the paper form, we capture about 60% of key data. And then from that point, it runs through our system. AI may be able to classify information, get a higher percentage conversion. But ultimately, at the end, we have manual keying. So there's a human component of it as well to make the documents 99% searchable. So the ability to access and search information on demand in seconds is just enhances productivity, enhances collaboration versus having to try and locate a file.
1: So of course, as I say, we all want to search things. We all want to so like use the search engines, be it Google or whatever. So I mean, you're sort of like, I suppose, a company in a very unique position that you're helping us, the end user, be able to see information. I mean, as individuals, but also organizations, because, you know, that speed and that ability now to be able to crunch and to use data seems to become
0: a really big thing now. Absolutely. You look at <laughs> the transformation that had to occur during COVID, and we're an essential service as an example for the state of Connecticut. Multiple state agencies utilize our services and to the point where we have to convert data so that food gets put on people's tables. And so when people were automatically not able to come into the office, they weren't able to access critical information that in large portions was in paper. The whole business ecosystem workflows were disrupted. And so it accelerated digital transformation for a number of companies. A number of companies went out of business. They, they weren't able to adapt. They were too late in terms of converting. And ultimately, it's not just about you as a knowledge worker. And we see new students you know, just graduating from college that have a completely different perspective on access to information. You may have some legacy workers that are used to old systems that are resistant to change, the new workers attracting those workers, they want on-demand access to information. They want the data and analytics that goes along with that, ultimately to service their customers at, at the highest level they can. But also it's
1: a case as well, and I think you'll agree here, that as you say, COVID certainly brought a lot of this to light, but you know, much more remote working happening now. So of course, you, know, you can't be passing paper around. You want to be able to press a button and see things, don't you?
0: You sure do. And I think that business Businesses that had a legacy workflow or process where paper was at the center of that, I realized they just can't compete. And so many, as I mentioned earlier, have accelerated their transformation process to just make sure that that information is accessible on demand. The collaboration tools are there with their colleagues so that a work effort or a workflow can be not only automated, but brought to a conclusion much sooner than if you had to you know, do it the old manual way.
1: Now, as you said, one of your big clients is the state of Connecticut. And so yes. no- disrespect to the state but like many you know organizations or i should say like or many states they're not always the quickest at doing things like this and and there's a lot of paperwork i mean whenever you look at sort of like government i mean it is paper 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 sort of thing does that bring its own unique set of challenges and also was it an education for them as well because you know they rely a lot on legacy systems and those systems aren't always the greatest systems either so can you talk us through a little bit about you know some of maybe the challenges that they had to face up to when they decided hey we need to start looking at this? Because Governor Lamont has very much been public and said he wants online government.
0: Excellent question. I think the we deal with government agencies globally. And so if you look at government, you may say, well, it's full of bureaucracy, slow moving, budget constraints, decisions can't be made at the level perhaps in a corporation. I think in the state of Connecticut, what we've seen is Governor Lamont's modernization efforts and his absolute support of digital transformation is slowly, moving across every government agency. One of the big things that was sponsored here locally was uh, we did a conversion with 19 state agencies, all of their HR records. You have approximately 30 to 50 percent of Connecticut government workers retiring over the next couple of years. So what happens is that not only are you having a drain of knowledge workers with legacy information, you're not going to replace all of those workers. And so you have to become more efficient in how you operate. And I think we've seen that across multiple agencies that they've, they're have they in the process of digitization, automating workflows, changing the way they do business, and becoming a much better steward of the Connecticut residents' data. We've had a
1: little tour around the facility here, which is amazing to see. We're not going to go into every every detail because there's a lot to it. And I think that's something that people wouldn't realize is that they probably just think, oh, yeah, you know, a load of paperwork turns up somewhere you scan it in and, and that's it. But it isn't, is it? Just talk us through a little bit because there's a lot of complexity
0: behind this. Well, you're sworn to secrecy, Brian, after that too. So um, <laughs> there is a lot of complexity. And so we're often asked, you may have a small little scanning job to do with a few boxes, which is rare for us, but depending on the client, we will still do that work. We do very large, multinational engagements where we have to not only understand the end goal of what our clients are trying to achieve, but understand the optimal way to produce the work in a highly secure environment, up to 4 million pages globally we we can produce, and then ultimately ingest it into whatever system they're going to be utilizing it so that their knowledge workers can access that information with a point and a click.
1: I mean, security quite clearly is, is key here, isn't it? Because, you know, information is money.
0: There are very few government agencies or corporations that we do business with that don't bring security up. As one of their number one issue. So you're taking my highly sensitive documents out of my facility and I need them back. And people are very territorial about parting with their documents. So we have a, a secure chain of command. from the moment, documents, as an example, are picked up, they're barcoded, they're checked in into our easy 4 platform. And at every stage of conversion, that client can phone us and have access to that information on demand if they have a service level agreement. Apart from that,
1: which I'm guessing is the main sort of like part of, of the business um, again during the tour, we were looking around. You do some uh, amazing other stuff, and of course, we forget documents isn't the only thing that need to be preserved or need to be sort of like enhanced or digitized. One of the things that you were mentioning was old blueprints. Just talk us through that because that was fascinating about what you were saying. That you know, a particular city here in Connecticut came to you. Just tell us a little bit
0: about that story. It's, it's very interesting, Brian. When we look at old blueprints, and we have local, state, and local government u- municipalities that have 150-year-old blueprints of key areas of the city that are deteriorating, that have not been digitized, that may be printed on rice paper with mold in between. And so we're having to take these rolled up blueprints, flatten them out, convert them, remediate any mold or whatever, and then bring them to life. And it's a complex process, but we're seeing with microfilm deterioration, with old legacy hard copy information that companies, agencies are realizing now is the time to convert them. Many times they're in storage facilities that may be damp, that may not be conducive to storing this, but these are archived records that we need to preserve. And so we do a lot of that work. We're doing work with, you know, over in, in uh, England with the Oxford University Press on rare books. So depending on the paper of the time, over time it starts to deteriorate and we can't lose this th- these rare books. That's
1: another point to make, of course, You know, we've been talking, obviously, about here in Connecticut, but ScanOptics is an international company. Just tell us a little bit about where you operate, because you truly are worldwide.
0: We are. Interestingly enough, Brian, we're doing conversion of HR records for the likes of Discovery, Warner Group in 36 countries right now. And so we have to have the ability, we're headquartered internationally in London, we have to have the ability to operate in all those different countries. The general data protection regulations, and then obviously country-specific regulations, we need to be able to operate within those parameters, make sure the data is, is secure, and it becomes very complex, but we've got a great team internationally and domestically that has the knowledge on how to roll out these multinational projects. How often do you get to travel
1: around? Because, you know, the corporate headquarters for scan optics is here in good old Connecticut, in Manchester, Connecticut, where it all started. But as you said, you've got offices around the world, and like any CEO, I'm sure that you do a little bit of a tour every now and again. So how often do you get to go out and obviously make sure that the standards of the company obviously are staying at the level that you clearly want
0: in my role I always find it obviously my employees number one driving revenue and profitability for the business taking care of all of our customers so I do have the opportunity and I probably at a minimum level in London quarterly a meeting with our key clients we happen to manage one of the largest government agencies in the United Kingdom the driver and vehicle licensing agency so getting involved with them ensuring that we're doing the work that we should be doing our clients are happy, is really important for me to not only have FaceTime with our clients, but our employees over there.
1: So just to explain to obviously our American listeners, that's the equivalent of the DMV
0: over here. So that is a big deal. It is. We're processing approximately 50 million applications, registrations, renewals a year using our Easy Forward platform for the Department of Vehicle and Licensing Agency, complex operation. So understanding the importance of what we do for their business and ensuring that we're operating at the highest level is important that I Over and, and meet with their key executives frequently.
1: We had a little look at a banner as again as we were going on the tour, and it's just listed some of the clients that you service. It's a wide array of very, very different industries. Talk to us a little bit about that because each industry, I'm guessing, must bring its own unique set of requests and challenges.
0: Well, you have vertical applications we would view in terms of they're specifically designed for the legal industry or manufacturing or consumer packaged goods. We tend to be a horizontal application that we cross-functionally work with all the different departments in a corporation. And so we're doing a lot of HR rollouts where we have expertise in terms of what an HR department wants to do when they capture data, they archive it, and they classify it into a document management system. We just had an announcement uh, this past week with NetDocuments, one of the largest document management companies in terms of providers for the legal industry. And that work for us will be digitizing legal documents, intellectual property documents, et cetera, and converting it onto a platform like netdocs or iManage or some of the other major document management companies and of course i
1: mean you know some of the advantages of of the work that you do i mean you touched upon it a little bit earlier in the in the interview but i mean we go back to like the blueprint situation i mean if an architect or a contractor needs to have access to that to be able to pull it up instantly i mean it's that sort of versatility and flexibility we're talking about isn't it which of course you know in the past you'd be rolled up documents and you know they get dogged and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it really is bringing everything into, you know, the 21st century.
0: It's, if you imagine just the time constraints with someone going into a building department at, a, at an agency or town, municipality, requesting a specific engineering document for someone to have to walk down, find the document, pull it out of a file, make a copy of it on a large format scanner. It's just not an easy thing to do when they can point and click, keyword search, pull it up in seconds. The average, I think Gartner and other IDC average Average time that these research companies tell you that it takes to find a document is somewhere in the range of 18 minutes and where it can be done in in seconds or just under a minute with um you know with digital transformation and searchability
1: so when a company comes to you as we said i mean obviously many many different uh, companies that you service you know what are the types of things that that you're talking to them about and what are some of the questions that you're asking because i mean i'm guessing some are going to be sort of like a typical but then there's going to be obviously things which are going to be as we said different for different organizations so
0: it's interesting you have a lot of we just did a major conversion for a multinational entertainment company and the driver of their decision to digitize information was that they had very expensive real estate in new york that was being taken up by boxes. And those boxes weren't easily accessible. It may be a company's moving, whatever it might be. So the driver in that example was, "Hey, first of all, we're not spending this kind of money on real estate to store boxes. What's it going to cost to digitize and and have obviously access within seconds?" So that might be one event. There may be, you know, we we just did a time study as an example with uh, a, a bunch of housing authorities in the state of Connecticut who are absolutely very paper intensive. And when we looked at the average knowledge worker, in a housing authority amount of client interaction that they have per case it may take them one to two hours a day to find the casework, get it back to the client where now we can convert that into minutes so that makes the knowledge workers more effective it provides their tenant with information accessibility etc
1: now the other interesting thing as we were doing the tour which was surprising to me apart from seeing a lot of boxes of paper which you know again you've explained that comes in and then it's held very securely and then ultimately may go back to the client, etc. There are a lot of people here, which you know it sounds a bit of a dumb thing to say, but there is still quite a, a human element to to what you do. Talk to us a little bit about that human element as well.
0: The human element comes into play primarily as it relates to paper document conversion. So we get records uh, in every shape and form arriving at our doorstep, and while we do a, a comprehensive assessment prior to arrival, we always get some surprises. So the human element is critical not only to receive the data to check it in, but to prepare it to be captured. So if you're actually scanning paper and making it paperless, that human element requires those documents to go in very clean into the scanners. So once that information is then captured, converted, and gone through our easy forward platform, the final step is a group of humans that are keying in key data. So every client is going to have a set of specific data that they want to search on, maybe name, address, social security, whatever it might be. Based on the unique requirements, of that client, we train our employees that this is the data you need to capture using the platform. And so there's the final element is the human data interaction.
1: Although do use AI as well, don't you as well sort of thing. But as we we know with AI, it's continuing to advance. So this is what just an augmentation of what the AI is capable of doing at the moment?
0: Yeah. So if you look at the world's data, I think it's somewhere between 80 and 90% of the world's data is still unstructured, whether it's digital or in paper format. AI, obviously, there's tons of AI information in the news over the last six, eight months. It's been around for a while. Clearly, we've been using it. And as we have cleaner structured information, we learn from that data as we're capturing it that, oh, this is a passport. This is an HR specific document. And so our capture capabilities come from the 60, 70, 80% where we're starting to capture more information. And the machine learning allows us to automate the capture of data, which will eliminate a portion of the human element. But there still is not anything that we've seen, it captures 100% of the data in the format we want it. It's
1: an amazing organization. We could talk all day because there's many other aspects to it. Where do you see it going You know, in the next you know, five years or so, do you feel? Because I mean, industries are constantly moving. This one clearly is moving very fast. And as I said, probably being driven very much by us, the end user, saying, I want access to this. I don't want paper anymore. I want to be able to you know, touch a button and bring this up. So where do you see this moving and then say the next five years?
0: I think it's a combination of things. So when we talk about the name scan optics. And and, and obviously what comes to mind is you're scanning paper. A lot of where our growth is coming is pure digital transformation. So think about your individual desktop or your databases. How searchable are they? You may have a series of PDFs. On a large scale, major corporations, there's multiple repositories of information across functional lines of business. We see a lot of what we do is taking those silos of data, converting them, making them searchable, and putting them in more centralized repositories to allow, Corporations to be more efficient in how they operate across those different silos. So, data to data migration, unsearchable to fully searchable, is really where the company's growing. We're doing a lot of business process outsourcing where companies say, hey, this just isn't core to our business. Scan optics, there's no way we can do it the same, at the same level you can or as efficiently. Let's outsource that. And we see that with government agencies where we've uh, saved millions and millions of dollars based on give it to us, we're the experts, let us do the, the heavy lifting on those applications based i'm
1: guessing on the fact that the technology isn't cheap although obviously prices come down as you say you've got the expertise and then using a secure line back to the client i suppose they just really need almost the equivalent of sort of dumb terminals really they don't have to have all this super expensive stuff behind it because that's what they're asking
0: you to do correct those government agencies those corporations that realize again, this isn't core to what we're doing. Let's outsource it to a company that can do it cheaper, better, faster, more efficiently and obviously save money on
1: it. You're very passionate about what you do. You can see that. I always like to ask this question of, you know, the the people in charge of companies, you know, what keeps you driven? What gets you up every morning?
0: It's interesting for someone that like myself, that's been in the big corporate world. I've also done high-tech startups from scratch and started my own company and spun it off and sold it. I say to the employees here, if this is an environment where I'm not excited excited to come to work, then how are you going to be excited? So I'm excited every day to come to work. I think our culture is phenomenal. Go ahead and ask me, right? I mean, if if you took a survey of our people, I think you'd see that reward and recognition environment is crucial. And I think that's what excites me. What also excites me is where this business is going. When you look at the growth rates that the research companies are, are indicating in intelligent data management, data processing, we're in a sweet spot right now. And I think our references, which are stellar, which we we pride ourselves on are going to allow us to get more business with big clients and continue to grow this company.
1: Well, Jeff Mitchell, Chief Executive Officer of Scan Optics, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting us uh, to your company to have a little look around at this amazing work that you do. And uh, as I say, congratulations on 55 years of business and thanks for being on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure.
1: And if you want to find out more about Scan Optics and their products and solutions that could help your business with your digital transformation, head over to their website at scanoptics.com. It's hurricane season, and your trees can be damaged by high winds. Green Valley Tree has you covered with our emergency tree service outside of our regular business hours. We offer emergency tree service by bucket, crane, and climbing for residential, commercial, and even municipalities across eastern Connecticut. From full tree removals, uprooted, or broken trees, to broken, hung up, or fractured tree limbs. Call our emergency hotline on 860-966-5710 or visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. The Connecticut Hospital Association says a new report from the Office of Health Strategy in the state shows that hospitals' financial health is still reeling. The CHA says the report shows that hospital expenses have climbed by over $3 billion, leaving many hospitals with a negative operating margin. However, Dr. Deidre Gifford, Executive Director of the Office of Health Strategy, says when you look at their report more closely and over the last five years, it's a very different picture.
0: Overall, the five-year
1: profit margin for Connecticut hospitals is about close to 4%. There were some losses recorded in 2022, but the five-year picture for most hospitals remains stable in Connecticut. The OHS report also highlighted that many of the state's hospitals saw losses of $309 million from sources unrelated to patient care or operating costs like investments due to declines in the financial markets and bad debt. Gifford says many of the state's smaller hospitals have been purchased by the larger healthcare systems in Connecticut over the past few years, and that creates financial problems for everyone when it comes to healthcare costs and reduced competition. Integration of healthcare systems does lead to higher costs in general. There are some benefits to both horizontal and vertical integration of healthcare systems. But in general, the research is pretty clear that larger market share does lead to higher costs. So that's something that the Office of Health Strategy is charged with taking a look at. Yale New Haven Health, one of the state's largest healthcare systems, saw some of the biggest losses over the last few years, but at the same time has purchased three failing hospitals in the state in 2022 for $400 million and recently acquired Physician One Urgent Care in Connecticut, Massachusetts and New York for an undisclosed sum. The larger healthcare systems have also also spent heavily on self-promotion over recent years with TV and radio advertisements, as well as adverts during the Super Bowl, and in the case of Hartford Healthcare in 2021, paying to have their name on the amphitheater in Bridgeport, the cost of which remains undisclosed. The deal is alleged to last for several years and cost for the naming rights at several million dollars over the lifetime of the contract. As part of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, a Connecticut group wants to better educate people about the problem. Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service has this report.
0: The National Coalition Against Domestic
1: Violence finds in Connecticut close to 38% women and about 34% of men experience violent abuse. Megan Scanlon with the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence describes how they work with victims to create safety plans for leaving their abuser.
0: Sometimes that does mean that you might be applying for a restraining order or a protective order, but sometimes it means you might not be. And then there's other factors to keep in mind. Sometimes it requires changing the locks or adding cameras. There's just a lot of nuance depending on the situation.
1: She notes developing these plans can help kids in abusive homes, adding this trend increased during the COVID-19 pandemic. Studies show the isolation of quarantine made it harder for people to report signs of abuse and help them escape a dangerous environment. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. Governor Lamont unveiled a new branding and marketing campaign for the state recently called Make It Here. The new campaign will replace the current Connecticut still revolutionary, which has been used since its inception back in 2012. The new campaign, which has cost over a million dollars to conceive and create, will help foster continued economic growth in the state and its businesses, as well as a greater pride in its residents. Anthony Anthony is Connecticut's chief marketing officer and said the demographics of the state have changed over the last several years, with more new, younger families moving to Connecticut looking to make it their home, but also research showing that only 50 percent of current residents are proud of the state, and only 21 percent would recommend the state to others. Anthony said this campaign makes a bold statement.
0: We can put a flag in the ground and say that this is who Connecticut is, this is what we offer, and this is what we are proud of. You can make your life here, you can make your career here, you can make your business here, your family here, your dream here, your product here. And for other folks, teachers and homemakers, they can make their families here and the future generations of leaders here. Make it all here, be part of something bigger than yourself.
1: And Governor Lamont said the new campaign would help to shift people's opinions about the state being somewhat staid by showing how innovative Connecticut is and always has been.
0: That's what this uh, message is all about with Make It Here. I think it's a Example, if you're a young person you're trying to figure out where you want to start a career, we've got a job for you. It's an amazing job. It's a chance for you to start up your own small business, chance for you to be doing something state of the art. It's a chance for you to be able to make a big difference.
1: The campaign has also created a new logo that can be adapted by the public and businesses, allowing them to include their own meaningful imagery or designs inside of it. Make it here is aimed at people wanting to live and work in Connecticut and will go hand in hand with the current find your vibe market campaign aimed at attracting more tourism to the state. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at connecticut-east.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East This Week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East This Week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.